0: Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.
1: What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. So for Black History Month, this episode, we're going to switch things up a little bit in the best way. Last week, I had a conversation with the hosts of WBEZ's When Magic Happens podcast. The show brings together different generations of Black women to get different perspectives on living life across eras. And for this conversation, we got into where we're all coming from when we think about celebrating this month. As it turns out, we are quite different in how we think about it. But there were some significant through lines as well. For one, we all agree that Black history is actually now. It's the things Black people and all our diasporic diversity do every day to survive and to thrive. This conversation originally went out on the When Magic Happens podcast last week, and we're bringing it to the Rundown feed so you can hear it today with me and When Magic Happens co-hosts Cheryl Jackson and Taylor Cower.
2: How do you celebrate Black History Month or honor this time?
1: You know, I'm more of a passive Black History Month celebrator. Mm-hmm. I feel like always I was in school and there was some programming or special curriculum or like at work, you know, somebody would be doing something special. So I just kind of go along with it Yeah, usually. But yeah, I just feel like this is something that comes up a lot. But, you know, I just kind of am black all year and I think about blackness all year. I think about white supremacy all year. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I think about being a, a black person who has a bunch of different other identities too all year. And that that's the dynamism of blackness that is like always coming up for me, I feel like. Cheryl,
0: what about you? I don't know if you know this about me, but I was the CEO of the Chicago Urban League, which is a civil rights organization. So, you know, from that role on, I've had a much more you know, proactive sort of expression of celebrating Black History Month than maybe I typically would have had. Um, But I've long since been gone from that role, and now I I get invitations to speak, Um, you know, at various programs. I look for programs. Um, My mother is a, a history maker unto herself, so I'm always supporting her as she's being celebrated and I asked to speak during the, the month of February, my mother being a composer. As a matter of fact, her latest work, um, she's a classical choral music composer of sacred works, but her latest work is an oratorio celebrating the life of Harriet Tubman. Hmm. So on February 11th, is being premiered in Memphis with the National Civil Rights Museum and the, and the Memphis Symphony Orchestra. So I feel like I'm always, February is a busy month for
2: me. So I'm hearing that Black History is 365. Our Black History Month celebrations don't stop.
1: Yeah. You know, you be on social. And there's always these really great memes. Yes. You know, <laughs> people talking about let a white person, you know, say something to me this month, you know, or like whatever. That's always funny. Do
2: you know what? I, I was partaking in a lot of Juneteenth memes last year. Yes. Uh-huh. And my contribution was where in what group chat. Did everybody order their little flags for their car that I was left out of? Oh, <laughs> because did you notice that every black person in Chicago had a Juneteenth flag? I noticed, or that. just the uh, Damn, Pan African uh African flag.
1: Even the meeting where people were noticing.
2: Okay, well that <laughs> meeting was a solo meeting of me where I was driving and feeling very left out <laughs> because I was like. Oh, so wh- where was the Amazon link? Like, okay. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> so I, this year I'm getting a little holder, and I'm gonna stick it in my yes. my car window because Cheryl, I don't want to, I don't want to keep being left out of that. So
0: I know. Well, you know, the DeSoto Museum hosts uh, a big celebration around Juneteenth, so yeah. I'll be sure and flag you for that one.
2: Oh, thank you. Let me know. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that has me thinking. During Black History Month, is there an event that you've been to that you really mm enjoyed or that kind of stood out to you?
0: Hmm, That's a good question.
2: Because I used to go on Martin Luther King Day to the DuSable Museum and they would play movies and you'd learn a lot you'd have snacks you'd meet people and that was really enjoyable so maybe I want to find something this month to go to if y'all have any.
1: Yeah, our, our friend of a friend of the show, also Adora Day. Hmm. she does um some reporting. I noticed she's done the last couple of years about some black history happenings in the city of Chicago. I will say one thing that I can never forget that always comes to my memory is that we would always have I went to my elementary school was Macy Jemison Academy in Detroit represent okay. um, for and f- represent for Chicago also because Macy <laughs> Jemison um, and it was a blackety black um, school in a blackety black city <laughs> and it you know we would always celebrate kwanzaa and we would do you know so many different african american traditions and during black history month we always had an assembly where students would get up and read different poems mm-hmm. by black poets and just recite things and we would some things we would you know we were singing the black national anthem together and it was just such unity at a time when I didn't even understand necessarily the significance of it Yeah, I read the poem I am the black child okay I don't remember who that was by or what the words were but, right but hey we we got into <laughs> it and uh You know, it was always, I am the black child. You know, it was like a very (laughs) passionate MLK type, you know, um, reading. It was almost like we were in a competition of who was going to say am, you know, the the hardest.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love that. Win that Oscar. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Go full viola. (laughs) (laughs) Start early. I think those school projects and like school plays and school performances during Black History Month, are so they're like the foundation for you to grow on and so I would hope that in schools now they're still having that happen because in elementary school we always had a Black History Month project and I remember one night I got up at like one in the morning to go get water and you best believe a trifold of Harriet Tubman was staring down at me and I forgot <laughs> heart attack <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: Harriet, she had a strong face. Strong gaze. She, yes, she was very, <laughs> like, strong in her
2: gaze and in her facial expression. Imagine that going to get a midnight snack. Yeah. But but I remember those things, and I remember the research that went into it and being excited of using rubber cement and pasting all these figures, and it just was really, really fun. And I also think that if you teach people young It keeps that excitement going rather than finding out as an adult about Black history, like foundational Black history, and then being ashamed. But I still think there's things I'm learning now that are brand new. Yeah. There will always be something to learn. You know, like, oh, thank you for inventing this thing, Black woman.
0: Right, right. That's always cool to find out things that Black people pioneered or contributed to, you know, growing up, I don't know about you guys, but growing up, we had the Negro um, Almanac. Did you, I mean, that was like a staple, this big, thick book in our house.
1: Can you tell us Um, Yeah, describe it, paint the picture, because I don't, I didn't have this.
2: Oh yeah.
0: I actually have a copy from, this one copy, it must be early seventies or late sixties, but um, it's a thick book. And it just basically, Attempts to you know tell the history of black Americans, mm. and it's called the Negro almanac and so it's just a to Z what our history our past from enslavement to Jim Crow to civil rights contributions pioneers it's it was just a staple in our house wow, so we 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 have that as a foundational you know my Even back then, my parents did not rely on the public education system to teach Mm. about Black History Month. And uh, so here we are. Before it was just like an omission, like just Mm -hmm. they didn't teach it. Now it's just incorrect information. And actively
1: trying to remove what is there. Yeah. Correct,
0: correct. To your point, Taylor, Mm -hmm. unlike the um, Dr. Martin Luther King Day, you know, there is like in Chicago, at least a quintessential event. It's uh, put on by Rainbow Push and Reverend Jackson. His annual scholarship fund event starts at 730 in the morning on on the holiday um, that commemorates Dr. Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. his birthday. And, uh, and everybody knows that. Everybody's like there from big wigs, the names to everyday people um, who don't necessarily have that signature event in um the month of of february so there's a lot you know everybody's doing lots of different things but um which is great i'd like for us we just gotta you know as a community just you know double down and elevate our game on being intentional about teaching our history to everybody
2: Carol, did you go to elementary school here or in the South?
0: I was in the South. I was in Memphis until uh, through high school. Yes.
2: Okay. I'm kind of curious growing up in the South, what was it like in elementary school, high school, learning about Black history?
0: I remember my mother telling the story of my, I wasn't in school yet, but my brother, who's two years older than me, he came home and he, you know, was so excited. He was telling my mother, um, he's like, you know, mom, he's like, did you know about this girl who sat on this bus and she wouldn't get moved, you know, give up her seat? And this girl was amazing. He was referring to um, Rosa Parks, Mm -hmm. but my mother retells that story. But personally, at my school, I, I, you know, surely I know there was, but it was not Something that was, that left an impression on me.
1: Did you have black teachers?
0: Most of my teachers were not black.
1: Okay. I think that makes a big difference.
0: Yes. I would call one teacher. I mean, I went to school. My high school was called White Station. And then I was at an all girls Catholic school.
1: White Station? (laughs) White
0: White Station. There you go. Mic dropped. (laughs) And we were the first wave of integration. Right.
2: And so Thank you for your service, Cheryl. <laughs> Honestly, like I just I'm like not not Cheryl being a hidden figure <laughs> having exactly. to integrate the school. <laughs> I remember when she told me that the first time, I was like, you did who now at the what it now? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. We we they, so they, they bust in kids, so we weren't eligible for the, the busing in part, uh the busing by kids in. We came the school through the special advanced academics Mm -hmm. and was um we were able to opt in and we were the first so that that number was even smaller Mm -hmm. of black kids coming into the gifted programs Mm -hmm. so it was a lot i remember my brother somehow we broke barriers and able to do things my brother was became the president of the student council and he was the first black person ever to be president of the student council, oh, but, right um, on. but there was a lot, you know, that you had to deal with and, and face Yeah, the teachers. They weren't my teachers or my classes, but they were advocates for me and my siblings. All, all of us, all five of us went to White Station.
2: Hmm. Wow. When you talked about how your brother came home and was like, "Oh my gosh, have you heard of this Rosa Parks lady?" <laughs> right, <laughs> this girl, this girl, girl named this Rosa, girl, this girl. <laughs> um, this girl. Do you remember who that person was for you?
1: You know, so much of the historical figures that we are taught to honor are are usually men, um, and it's it's a, a his story, right? Is, mm-hmm. is a lot of the history that we get. You know, I mean, like I said, I went to Macy Jemison Academy, right? Like that, she, and baby is still alive. You know, that's another one. Right. She she got her flowers back in the in the early 90s by that school and by a lot of ways, you know, while she was still living. And she was a person she actually would come and visit our school once a year. And yeah, I mean, it was fire. She she <laughs> like I've met her as a child, you know, but I think like to meet her today, I would just, you know, just have to share so much gratitude yeah. and to her and mm. to the principal of that school. Dr. Shelby Hopkins, who um, named the school after her and who led that school with grace and style and um, expertise that so far I've seen unmatched at a school such as that. But those are two people who I really looked up to and just felt so honored and privileged to know about Mm -hmm. and to be able to spend time around, um, you know, including all the
2: amazing Black people in my
1: family who are just lovely. What about you, Taylor?
2: Mine would probably be learning about Mahalia Jackson in school, Mm -hmm. um, because I lived in Bronzeville at the time. And during the Great Migration, Bronzeville is where she landed when she got up north and how connected she was to kind of my grandmother and my grandmother's love for gospel. And it just was so exciting to learn about this person that Changes things and is a tastemaker and a trailblazer that can be from your own backyard and is also black. Yes. And I had to acknowledge even then that I was in a bubble and that Chicago does grant you the opportunity to be around so many powerful, beautiful, impactful black people, but not everybody has that.
0: I think Aaron hit on something I hadn't really thought about. Mm-hmm. That most of my teachers, or all of them, were white. Yeah. The principal, the teachers, everybody was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I read the stories I, from Memphis. You get the you know the basics. It's certainly about Dr. King and the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that my soul didn't really fully awaken to it until my freshman year in college. Why? Because of a certain professor uh, on Northwestern's campus, there's a center for African-American students called the black house. And from the white station to the black house, I I went from white station to the black house. Okay. (laughs) And it was, you know, the confluence of both this, the executive director of the Black House. And that experience where it was like, very pro pro pro-black was like new for me. And Reverend Jesse Jackson was running for president and he spoke at the the convention floor of the DNC that summer. Mm. And I remember being in our living room on the floor lying on the floor in my stomach watching the TV with my entire family, we were all glued to the TV to hear uh, Reverend Jackson's speech. And I was just awakened. My mm-hmm. soul was awakened and it was so powerful. I started writing to my professor, like giving him my thoughts of the speech and, and I was asking so many questions about the political process and black people. It was that moment that I fully awoke to the weight of what it meant to be black in America,
2: mm, Wow,
0: shout out to the educators. Yes, and, they make a difference. Yes. They make they are the difference. So we've been talking about black history as in past historical figures, but what about black history is now? What does that mean to you that black history is now as in right now?
2: It means that we're still we're still having a lot of firsts. As black people, which is very, it shows how much we persevere, but it also shows how tough this world is on us, that we are still doing things in 2024 for the very first time. And so despite whatever pressures are out there against us, we still make strides. And so when I think of contemporary black history, I think of the Issa Rays, the Quinta Brunson's, the Michelle Obama's. I think of the people here making this podcast. And I just think of, wow, like, you know, despite it all, we still show up and we still shine. You know, every day we do things that are just history making. And you would think by now, there are things that, you know, would have been recognized already. Um, But I don't know. It just seems like we're still getting recognized for things that we've been doing for a while.
0: Oh, exhibit A. Claudine Gay, the first black woman president of Harvard, mm. it, it, it's not oh. just even becoming the first. You think, okay, the doors are open. Just walk through it. You walk through it and you have to fight, Yeah, fight. It's wow. the, the continual fight mm. that can be so dispiriting. Yeah. And so when you look at Claudine Gay, she was the first black woman pre- uh, president of Harvard University. Only in that seat for six months before they targeted her and, and took her out.
1: Yeah, the nitpicking, utter yeah. nitpicking.
0: Yes. So anyway, it's it's you're right. Who who are the modern day? What are their what are their their struggles and their fights? They're unfortunately they're still first and there's still a whole lot of fighting.
1: Yes. Do y'all feel like? I mean,
2: this is are we making history? Can we say that as as black podcast hosts? I believe so. Here in this space, like to look like you can go to WBZ Chicago online on the NPR podcast app and you will see so many black female faces hosting podcasts (laughs) or hosting radio shows. I think that Mm -hmm. is like magnificent. And I don't know if you look back in history, if that would be the case for I don't know for media in general like yeah. to see so like many who's in the front. Yeah, to see so many black women whose mm-hmm. whose voices are being amplified mm-hmm. and are given a platform. I think that that is pretty dare I say history. So mm-hmm. like so like we are a part of the story of black people,
1: black women in media. I believe at so. this time this new media. Yeah. <laughs> <that> don't you <laughs> that we're think? making.
2: What do you think? I like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. But I do like that aspect of how we all contribute to history-making milestones. Yeah. And um in this it does feel like this this space of hearing more from black people's voices and, you know, specifically black women um it, you know, we haven't been in this space long. Yeah. You're hearing the stories and the voices of Black women. And that very much, I think, is, you know, history, uh, history making. So, yeah, I think I agree. What I, you know, we often, Ebony Magazine was known for doing stories, especially cover stories, but if you were the first, the only you know, the first and the only. And, you know, that's that's pretty much a, a lot of their stories mm. were shaped by that
1: mm-hmm.
0: experience. And we celebrate that when, when a Black person makes history, you know, breaks a, a ceiling, a glass ceiling. But I just want us to acknowledge the pain mm. and the battles and the sacrifices that go along with being the first there's a uh, whole lot of pain behind that
1: yeah and, i mean yeah
0: it's, and we can look at Claudine Gay as a exactly a fresh example of that
1: yep and missy copeland i listened to an interview by her um interview with her and you know she talked about that too i mean there's there's the pressure to feel like you have to betray yourself and your body and what comes natural to you in order to perform right in order to Go above and beyond to show that, you know, you're you belong where you are. You know, she talked about that a lot. And it really it's such a complicated ambivalence, a dynamic ambivalence that we have. You know, Cheryl, to your point, like when we when we are the first. Right. We're so happy to to break through. Um, but then. You know that that's going to you know what you had to go through to get there. Right. What was
0: the cost? Exactly. What was the
1: cost? And then, you know, that you might have to keep paying that cost in order to stay there. And a- then absolutely. And then even hearing the story as a person who's not in it. Right. As a black person who hears a story, you're like, yes, that person broke through. But then the ambivalence comes in again where you're just like, that's 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 good, but that's not good.
0: Right. right. <laughs> right. You
1: know, it's double edged. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's it's like know, a I- rejoice in an eye roll at the same time. <laughs>
0: I, I'm no Claudine Gay or Misty Copeland, but my career has been shaped by being the first, in yeah. so many occasions. You know, yeah. the first black person and first woman. You know, as the communications director for uh, a sitting governor, mm. the first to serve in the C-suite of of corporation, and I I'm here to tell you, it is painful,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and you it leaves scars but if it makes it easier for more black people not only to you know be in that space to but to be in that space in such a brilliant way because they aren't fighting the same fights that I had to fight they can spend that energy and focus on just being their most brilliant selves that that it makes it worth its while so it's really you know the times that we find ourselves living in, of having sliding back. You know whether it's you know voting rights, mm-hmm. you know um, the dismantling of diversity programs, mm-hmm. the dismantling DEI. Uh, DEI dismantling of that, and you just feel this kind of sliding back. We're fighting the same stuff that um, historically we've already fought those battles, and here we are fighting them again.
1: And in, in those difficult moments or, or even after as you debrief, right, as as being, you know, a first and, and having those those scars, you know, um, mm-hmm. that you were thinking about the next generation about passing the baton, like, do you feel like that was coming up as a comfort for you in the real time?
0: I think that not in probably not in real time. Real time is about survival. Mm. You're just in surviving mode. Um, You know, I think upon reflection, um, particularly when you are counting up the costs, like what did this cost me to be here, to make it, um, and you're looking to understand it, then the ultimate sort of balm, healing balm, is knowing that you're making it easier for the next generation.
1: So Cheryl, what are you most proud of? When it comes to being a part of black history
0: that I showed up, I withstood, I was there, yeah, and I and I and I just sometimes sometimes the power is just in standing. it's not so much about what did you do, what were the outcomes, but that I showed up and I stood. what about you? Um, what are you it's as not a trailblazer um <laughs> as a breaking celebrity. barrier,
1: oh. <laughs> stop <laughs> it takes a lot of courage yes. um you know i was a kid who was bullied <laughs> you know i never thought of myself of having a lot of courage but in this department i think i do you know i feel like it it's not um it's not easy to to go and do the thing that you like to do mm-hmm. and try to do that full time you know for a living and well <laughs> Thank you, Taylor, and Mm -hmm. well, You know, it's it's not easy to look inside yourself and and really say like, what is it that I'm here to do? And then once you find that, go ahead and do it. You know, it sounds simple, but it's not. Um, And we we get a lot of people talking us talking us out of doing that, Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're a creative person. Um, And so, yeah, I would say that that's one thing that I'm I'm proud of. What about
0: you? I'm proud of your courage. I really am. And I think you're right. That's what it really takes is courage. A whole lot of it. Oh.
1: yeah. How about you, Taylor? What are you proud of as a
2: Black woman making history? I'm proud to be someone my age, like doing things that maybe haven't been done yet. Like, I feel proud that I'm on this show. Like, I, I don't know how many other 24-year-olds have a show at BZ, and mm. I just am proud to be here, and I'm proud of where I'll go, you know, and what I'll learn, and that, yeah, just to, to have this platform is something that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. I aspire to give other young people voices and platforms since I was given that. Oh, see? That's what it's all about, Perfect.
1: And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Cleave and Katie O'Connell for editing the show. Brianna Garrett produces When Magic Happens and Brendan Banizak is the executive producer for both shows. Ethan Schwab and Maria Lopez engineered this episode. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. I'm Erin Allen. Happy Black History Month. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.